Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Kathy, thank you so much for your sweet note that you sent in our chat. Um, you know, this is really, uh, it, for me, I think about things and I think about the time we live in. And somebody asked me not too long ago, how would I describe the time we're living in? And I said, you know, I don't know how to speak about global events, but I will say there's a reason we call our network the Transformation Network. And I said, we are literally in a transformative part of life. But what is it for each and every one of us? What are we feeling? What is the vibe? How do, how do we make sense of things? But what if, what if, what if there was a symphony of selves um, and I know, Benny, you're going to break out with one of my favorite Supreme songs, I Hear a Symphony. Do you do you remember that song, or is that like way back? I you? don't. I'm going to have to look that one up. Uh, you know that song. Okay, so when I was getting my undergraduate degree, and it really, look, it took me 13 years to do that. But I decided I was going to accelerate things, because phone company that I worked for, back then there was a phone company, they said to me, you cannot excel. You're not going to get promoted until you get an undergraduate degree. And I never really took it very seriously until then. And so I went back to school, but I decided to go to a weekend college. And when I was in that weekend college, and I have to say it was the best thing that I did because I didn't know why that would be important later in my life. But I grit my teeth, and I'm telling you all along the way, I was thinking to myself, is this really it? Everybody I know is out there playing. I gave up ping pong, hmm. yes, to do it. But they asked me, and it was the College of St. Elizabeth's. It was a business school, College of St. Elizabeth's. And they explored or enabled you or empowered you, whatever the word is, you got to explore different sides of yourself. That's part of today's show because this is about your symphony of selves. Now, if you'd have talked to me about this back in the day and you'd have said to me, as uh, Jordan is going to talk about today, if you'd have said to me, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you have got a symphony. You've got a symphony of selves. You, there's more than just the thing you think you are. I'm not sure if I would have been all in on that. But here we are by somebody that has sat down and is known in his field as an authoritative, uh, uh, as I want to say, probably everything that's on television about this, probably he had some input to, forensic law, financial services, self-development. He founded the Enlightenment.com website. Um, he brought the world's first ever audio interview with Ken Wilber, who, yeah, I didn't even think that I would be able to even hold five minutes with somebody like Ken Wilber back in the day. And he has co-authored Comprehensive 2020 book. And, and by the way, Rebound Exercise, which I discovered called The Bounce. But besides all of that, all of that, any of that, how is it that we now have this body of work in front of us, which is about your symphony of selves? So here's how it ties in to a once-in-a-lifetime experience in a music class where I got, to, uh, I got to look at different aspects of what I like. And, and so believe it or not, 
this was a music class where we had to explore the many different layers of who we were. And out of everything that I could have studied, I decided to study Motown. Motown. And you had to pick a song and understand the song. And so I had to listen to Diana Ross and the Supremes, I Hear a Symphony, close to 200 times. And I learned something about that. I learned, one, that there are many layers to many things. Then I also learned that there are probably many layers to who each and every one of us is. And here today, we get to talk to somebody that not only gets that we have this symphony of selves, but we get to talk about what it means and who we are, who we become, and what we make of it all. Jordan Gruber joining me here today. Jordan, it's great to have you here. Oh, I'm very excited to talk with you, Pat. That was a, a great intro, and I see that you really understand what we're, we're getting at here. You know, I mean, it, it, this was a number of years ago, and, and I want to ask you this question because every time I get a book like this and I read the book, so there's a lot of things I want to talk with you about here. Um, I always wonder, Jordan, how a body of work like this uh, ends up transforming you. So there's you before you write the book or before you begin the journey. You know, people think you wake up one day and you write the book. Maybe you did that, but maybe not. Maybe there's the journey before that. How has this journey sculpted a new version of you? That's a, a great question. Um, the first time I ever heard about these materials was in uh, 1990 when Jim Fadden was giving a talk on it. I had never laid eyes on him before. He had this talk at Forrest Gamble's Mind Center, and the idea got laid in my mind that this was a possibility. Many years later, after I'd already worked with Jim on another book, he asked me to help him write this, and we eventually became full partners in the project. And as I was doing it, you know, first you're reading about stuff, and then you start applying it in your life a little bit here and a little bit there. And I would say that that's very much happened to me throughout the course of the book. We give one story where I'm walking towards uh, one of our outbuildings and there's this wisteria, right, face level. And normally I'd whip out my pocket knife and cut it off, violating the corridor rule, no way. And instead I had the thought, what if I was the kind of guy who could just stop and smell this beautiful thing and appreciate its beauty and walk on? And I did that. And in that moment, I really shifted into a more appropriate self. But where you really see it is with the people in your life. Once you realize that not only you have different selves, that they have different selves too. And it becomes a lot easier to, uh, we like to say that mental health is being in the right mind at the right time. <clears throat> if I know that I'm in the part of me that is gonna grapple with my wife and have a certain kind of fight and she's in her part like that, we both know that if you go any farther, you're gonna have that fight. But now that I know that that's a real part that will do what it wants, it's easier to step back from it and go, let me shift into a different part of me that doesn't really care or sees the big picture or you know, engages in a kind way. And, and you see it happening uh, more and more all the time. And that's the really beautiful thing about this book is that when people get the basic idea of what we're talking about, that there is an assumption that you are a single self, that you are or ought to be a single self, and that if you look and you go, well, I'm not really like that, and neither is anyone I've ever known, you don't even have to read more than the title and the first chapter to start testing this for yourself and going, what if I can be in that kind of part of me? Or what if I can create a new part of me? Because what, how you started this off was really right on. And I'm thinking about trying to write maybe a smaller book about applying this directly to the pandemic. The part of me that is freaked out and unhappy and has a lot of dead friends, quite honestly, for different reasons, every now and then that part of me really collapses and breaks down and cries if I put on certain music. I don't try to stop that at all. I let it have its full experience. And then 15, 20 minutes later, I come back and I'm the guy who's doing all these other things around the house and work and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's the willingness to be with all of who you are in the who you are right now that really makes a difference. 
an interesting experience that, that I want to talk with you about because there are many different parts of the book that we could go to. Um, but I love talking about cultural and intellectual reflections. I mean, I love mm -hmm. looking at things like that. You know, being where I am today, looking back at my life. I was watching a movie the other day because I decided, you know, we, we've got to take a break. You, you know, getting up at five, by 530, I'm dressed, I'm in the studio. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's very exciting time for us. So many things are coming, um, converging all at the same time in a really good way. And that's odd because we're living in a world where good things are not talked about. Mm -hmm. But we started this journey before COVID. It just happens to be coming to a really cool, let's say, ending of a phase of something in the middle. Of it. Yeah. But I was watching something the other day and and I was thinking about it and I always prepare, read the books. I always and, and this is what hit me. There must be something I'm not expressing in myself because here's what happened. I'm watching the Judy movie of Judy mm -hmm. Garland, See right? That? So I thought, man, that movie made like, won a lot of awards, blah, blah, blah. Renee Zellwanger, uh, the whole thing. I just thought, okay, let's watch it. 30 minutes into the movie, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this is about the last year of her life. This is not about the Wizard of Oz and Over the Rainbow and, uh, and Click Your Heels. This is about the death and dying of Judy Garland. It's about alcohol. It's about drugs. And I looked at Linda and I said, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. And, and I want to talk to you about that because there's a, there's a part of ourselves that is operating. And I could talk about it in terms of you know, what you put in here about artificial intelligence, but there's a part of ourselves that's operating. For me in that moment, given the history of my mom, her suicide, I couldn't watch it. But mm -hmm. yet I am not denial about the levels of addiction and alcoholism and drug use that are happening in the world today. Mm -hmm. You know, what happens when we don't allow parts of ourselves to emerge so they can converge? So your question is about why you didn't want to let the part that wanted to watch the movie stay present? Yeah. So uh, I hate to say it, but I think you're reading too much into this one. I think the simpler Good. explanation is, the simpler explanation is part of you wanted to watch it. And when you found out that's not what it was about, that part said, hey, I'm not really in. And then the other parts of you that are into realize it was going to be sad and overwhelming and it's not what you were up for. They kind of agreed it was an easy sort of decision. It wasn't that you had to do it and you were going to do it no matter what, because that's really not how we work in life. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. I mean, I love the part of myself these days that won't agonize and sit there and go through and watch the rest of the movie. But, you know, one of the things that you come out of the gate and talk about, and, and this, I think, is really a conundrum and a struggle for people right now, and that is the healthy selves model. You right. know, what the healthy selves model is. Uh, and, in, you know, I, I'm just curious if in the world we're living in right now, um, where we're looking at being in the right mind at the right time, how that takes shape today in today's world. Well, I think that everybody has a chance, like you said, to take advantage of the things that COVID makes available. I mean, in my case, my physical practice is better than it's ever been with the rebounding and the breath work and all the rest. Um, you know, one of the big points that we make in the book is that cells don't only appear through negative, catastrophic, uh, violent, and sexual abuse at a young age. That's one way in the pathological set of cells that they seem to be formed. And in the 70s and 80s, the progressive therapist wrote a lot about that and said, hey, this is a really an evolutionary adaptation. This is a good thing that people know how to do this. But what you see almost none of it in the literature is that you also create cells in positive moments and interactions with people and the world. So when I flew off my bike a few years ago 
hills over my head. And then a year and a half later, I finally said, this is ridiculous. I love riding. I know I do. I got a new bike. I got on. I was in that five-year-old part of me, completely happy. I remember my dad letting go of the wheel. I remember what it feels like. I, I was there. That part of me came full blown back. So there's a lot of positive events that create selves in your past that you can tune into or that you can kind of liven up or you can decide that you're going to kind of create a new, more appropriate version of yourself now that's going to be able to do certain things. I mean, the, the big idea here really is that you're not just stuck with the one self you are because you are already a multiplicity of cells. Uh, you know, what's really different about this book is that we don't start with the pathological model. We say that everybody, the healthiest and most successful people who are who have ever been alive have known that they have different cells and have learned to integrate them and orchestrate them. And that's, you know, why we show, uh, we, we turn to David Bowie and Beyonce and Herschel Walker, but really most of the people in your life who are functioning and doing well, they're already doing this. When they're with their kid picking them at daycare, they're not the same person they are when they are at work or when they are with their parents, when they're with their old friends getting drunk. I mean, everybody has their own sort of set and it's always changing. And, you know, and this has really been an interesting journey. And this is why I was so fascinated by what, what you're bringing to the forefront is I remember in my corporate experience, they brought in the consultants and I was an executive at the time and they brought them in and they said, we're going to do these personality tests. And so we all got the personality tests. And I remember this like it was yesterday because my personality test and what it said concerned my management so much they were going to take me and remove me from the job mm -hmm. now what could have been so absolutely earth shattering for folks and i have to tell you i love my life i thought i was doing pretty well but i turned out to be an an infp uh -huh. and i was so far on the i scale the consultants came back maybe take the test four times because i was so far and here i had this management job that i had to be out i had to be in front of clients and so there was this interpretation and i remember saying to the, the in the end i remember saying but why can't i be a different type of person at a different time right I asked that question. I said, you know, we have now learned a lot more about introverts, extroverts, types, not types. Um, but why can't we be multiple? And I use the word loosely, types. Aren't we or haven't we always been multiple types? Yes, you, you got it exactly. And the thing about these tests... Uh, I took a very intense Enneagram questionnaire a month ago, like 150 questions. And you could tell these are really smart people because they kind of got me. And at the end, I looked at the results and it blew me away because I wasn't what I thought I was. And I talked to my close friend in my men's team, who's an integral coach, and he said, uh, you know, just try to go with it. And eventually I had the epiphany that what it was illuminating was incredibly accurate. And it was how some of my different selves interact with each other. <clears throat> I see when I get reactive, I see when I get positive frame. I see, and, and, and what I learned is that the tests, if a good test will illuminate some of the parts of you that are most present and give you insight. So they cross illuminate each other. They're not in conflict. And probably what scared those folks was that you have a very strong personality in some ways and you let that out, no holds barred. And they saw it and went, wow, she must be, you know, if she's like this all the time, she'll create havoc. But of course, you're not like that all the time because you know how to modulate and moderate and shift in and out of the different parts of who you are. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, and for those of you just tuning in, um, I'm really thrilled, Jordan. I'm really thrilled Jordan, Jordan uh, Gruber is here to talk with us about your symphony of selves. And if you're watching us on Facebook, then you'll be able to see the cover. Um, I, I want to make sure folks know how they can get a copy of the book and how they can find out more about you. So can you take a moment and do that, Jordan? Sure. You can find out all you want about me at jordangruber.com, uh, just J-O-R-D-A-N-G-R-U-B-E-R. -E you will also find symphony of, your Symphony of Cells on that page, or you can go right to your symphonyofselves.com, and that will get you to the same place. There you can download and read 
a free excerpt and there's easy links to our publisher inner traditions as well of course as to amazon and right now the book is available as an audiobook in a kindle and a paperback uh the audible is doing surprisingly well and people seem to really like listening to it i'm a little bit worried about what happens when they get to the diagrams at the end but you know we'll see what happens well i could see why they would be really excited to to listen to it um and and i think we're all learning how to really do audiobooks a little bit different you know and that especially in in the case of what we're talking about today when there's so much richness in this book there's just so much in here um you know here's the dilemma that i faced early on in my life but i didn't see it as a dilemma other people did and you address it in the book you address it in souls and selves and religion and philosophy mm -hmm. and so i grew up in an interesting family as a young girl my family they were italian catholic my mm -hmm. dad then remarries after my mom's death and now we're italian catholic southern baptist right uh -huh. um and then i'm in i'm in this family with a mom a southern baptist mom who believed in everything let me just put it simply everything all things are of a benevolent spirit. It doesn't matter whether you're Jewish. This was her, right? Mm -hmm. Woman from the South, first child at 12, second child at 13. And this is what she talked to us about. about. So my life is shaped by what I call spiritual hitchhiking mm -hmm. because I really was encouraged to try them all on. Mm -hmm. I found that later in life, in one of my early relationships, when I when they ask me and you meet the family and the whole thing and they say, what are you? Mm -hmm. And my answer is, well, I'm kind of all things. And that doesn't go over very well. And so, you know, I often wonder this. Why are there so many different philosophies, so many different aspects of God or higher power or universe if we were not meant to get to know them all. Well, that's, that's a beautiful, hard-opening spiritual question. Uh, and I, I, I think it sort of answers itself, but to bring it back to the book, I would say that, you know, one of the things is that a lot of the systems, I mean, the idea that people have different selves is not a new idea. We say this a lot in the book. Right. William James talked about this in the 1880s and 1890s. It goes back to Plato. It's Gurdjieff and Jean Houston and, and Sri Aurobindo. And the, a lot of people know this. And at a certain point, what happens is they kind of work it through in their system. And then they decide to address God and spirituality. And usually they tell people, now it's time to seek one super self, one spiritual self with a capital S to rule them all and to get your connection going with God and to make that happen. So we come into that a lot because a lot of the systems, psychosynthesis, internal family systems, a lot of these, that's where they go in the end. And all we're saying is that that's above our pay grade. Yeah. We don't see enough evidence for that. Most people will have a lot of benefit from just getting that they have selves, that they're real, that they're inherently valuable, that they have their own agendas, that they even have their own entelechies with the entelechy of an oak, of an acorn to become an oak. And you can't just get rid of them. You can't fuse them because that greatly harms yourself and it didn't work when they tried it. So, you know, how you and yourselves are going to approach the spiritual, because look, I've done a zillion things too. I've done like, I was very new agey. I've taken nearly every workshop and system and have had, and I, and then I got into interviewing people because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to ask them my question, sort of like you in a way. So I got to interview, you know, Dan Millman and then Jim and Deepak and all these people. But, you know, I think that's fine. But that's, as I said, it's really literally above our pay grade. We're just saying you have a set of different selves there, you know, uh, selves are self-states, and self-states are recurring patterns of mind-body chemistry, energy, perception, and behavior in a human being. You go in and out of different ones at different times, and so does everybody. So that's the place we want people to start. Some people are going to want to come to a spiritual system and try to develop 
that single self or get in contact with their high self or whatever that is. But uh, Jim Fadiman likes to make a joke is that when someone tells him, well, you know, I have a, you know, my high self will take care of everything. I don't need to figure this out. And then he'll say, well, what's your high self's favorite restaurant? And, you know, people don't have an answer because it's a, it's a different level of, of, of being of, of ontology. We're not, we're not at that level. We're at the level of when I'm with, you know, my daughter, I'm really different than when I'm with my friends. And, you know, I'm really right now, I'm you know trying to be my best professional smart Jordan. And, you know, when we're done with this, I'm going to take a bike ride and get a beer, right? It all I'm different me's. And just knowing that is, is the place where we're starting, because if it's true that the single self assumption is incorrect, and yet it is at the foundation of nearly all of our psychology, that enough is a big enough problem for everybody to work on. We can get to the details of it later. Yeah, you know, I love this because I'm kind of like you. You know, when all is said and done at the end of the day, I'm going to hit a little white ball at about 40 and 50 and 60 miles an hour. That's called ping pong. Um, But, you know, this is the way that I show up and it feels so comfortable. This is the thing that your book does address and in many, many ways. And I just want to make sure that I get this you know, I represent this, that there are different parts of ourselves. And sometimes we think this part is better than this part, Mm -hmm. that if I'm not this, I'm going to be less than. And I want to talk about the part of the book when we come back from break, the many minds on many minds. Oh, yes. Carl Jung, Freud. I want to talk William James, who I got intimately familiar with. I would love to talk about this with and, you. And the great Charcot, where it all starts. Uh, yes, indeed. When we come back, we're going to do just that. For those of you out there, your symphony of cells, discover and understand more of who we are. When we come back, we're also taking your questions. Also, we can do that by you can type them in on Transformation Talk Radio, or we have a toll free number. 1-800-930-2819. When we come back, do we think Carl Jung was misunderstood? Does he leak that out in a little letter he wrote one day to this guy called Bill W.? Does he give us a sense that there was more that we didn't get? Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message Delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit AngelMessages2U.com. That's AngelMessages, the number two, the letter U, dot com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amira Beth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit AmiraBeth.com. 
The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBenton.com. Oh, yeah, that's it, Benny. Benny, you found it, didn't you? I did. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, think about, like, I wrote this 35-page paper on Motown, like, way back, like, in 1985, 1986, and that was the song. We had to each pick a song, and I decided I'm going to pick that song. And and that was, in fact, one of the most interesting assignments I had ever gotten in school, period. Um, but there was another assignment, and it relates to the book and to Jordan joining me here today. Jordan Gruber joining me here today. We we're just talking ping pong. Uh, the book is your symphony of cells. And, you know, that th- this is a perfect example of the multiple selves. So when people see me play, they probably – same thing with you, right? When they see me playing, Jessica snapped. She came out and snapped some pictures. It is a different face. Even if you look at some of the early posts of me and Sam, I think maybe Zach may have a picture. It's a different face. It is very serious. It's it, right. I still have a good time. But there's something that I learned about things that I wanted to talk with you about. One of the things that I always struggled with was how people tell us as a universal off-the-shelf book, this is how you quiet your mind. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people, my coaches, that I play ping pong to quiet my mind, they kind of look at me because they don't play, and they're like, that's impossible. And, And, you know, one of the things that I find is there can be a misunderstanding about who we are because of the many different sides of ourselves. In the book, I was really struck by the many different sides of the people that are talking about uh, Mm -hmm. multiplicity and the many different sides. Um, and, And I was extremely interested in William James you know, read the book on, you know, the varieties of religion, read, read some things, but Jung got my attention and it wasn't because of the call Jung and what we read. And there was a letter and I wanted to ask you about this. There was a letter that he wrote in 61 back to Bill W who was the founder of AA. And it was a beautiful letter, right? Because people don't know that if it weren't for Jung, there really wouldn't be any of the 12-step programs the way they are today. There wouldn't be a spiritual component to them. And he writes in this letter, and I, and I wanted to bring this up because of the way you, you really address it in the book. And he goes on and he talks about um, the only real and legitimate way to an experience, the one he's talking about. You know, when you walk on a path leads you to a higher understanding. And he goes on and talks about this a little bit more. It's a short letter. But then he says something that shocked me. He said, you know, there are reasons I could not fully and sufficiently and explain what was going on with this man, Rollin H., who was an alcoholic. And he says, but I am risking it here with you. Because I conclude from your decent and honest letter that you have acquired a point of view. So what it made me think about as I'm reading your book and I'm reminded of this, Jordan, is how many sides of the Jungs of the world that they had to restrain or hold back. And I never saw Carl Jung as that guy. But I wonder how many sides of ourselves there are within us the many minds on many minds that if this were an open and don't be afraid of saying things, I wonder what they would have revealed because we see some of these people as very unidimensional. At least that's me, but they're not, are they? Well, you know, 
when you look at the history of how all of these guys came together, some of them had views in one way, and then they famously shifted another way, <laughs> and, and that made a, a big difference. I mean, if we want to talk about Carl Jung, you know, he's sort of right in the middle. Jung obviously was greatly influenced by Freud, and Freud went to Paris to study with Jean-Martin Charcot. Also, people who went to study with Charcot included William James, Alfred Binet, and Pierre Genet. Now, very early on, if you, if you don't want me to do this quick history thing, I'll stop. No, uh, please go. Very early, very early on, um, uh, Freud, in his first published piece, or second, Anna O, with Breuer, he thanked the Genets, Pierre Genet and his uncle, and Alfred Binet for their work on multiplicity. He explicitly thanks them. Freud also named his first son for Jean-Martin Charcot, Jean-Martin Freud. Later on, Freud had a huge intellectual property dispute with Pierre Genet over psychoanalysis. And at a certain point, Freud did what uh, is famously called rejection of the seduction hypothesis. Basically, there were a lot of shenanigans with sex and other things going on in high-class Vienna, and Freud didn't want to alienate his, his, uh, his clients, so he said, you know, none of that stuff is really happening. Here's my theory that's going to make, that explains all this. And in doing that, he got rid of the idea of hypnosis and of selves, and by 1910, uh, the idea was completely buried. In 1905, there was a conference at Harvard featuring Pierre Genet just on this subject. By 1910, Freud, who was an un unbelievable promoter, um, you know, swept the world. And the next time you heard about these ideas was in a strictly pathological context in Three Faces of Eve and then Sybil and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, what's interesting about Jung is he wrote his medical dissertation on his cousin's case of multiple personality before he'd ever heard about Freud. Then he's powerfully influenced by Freud. First, he's the great disciple, and then they have their famous break. And then Jung contributed two ideas that we feature in the book. One is obviously the archetypes, we talk a lot about that. And the other is this idea of autonomous complexes. Other people have written about that, but Jung sort of talked about both of them. So for Jung, instead of saying we have different selves in our lives, he kind of brought it all in internally into the interior aspects of the psyche. So there are these archetypes, and then there are these uh, different autonomous complexes that very much sound like our ourselves. Uh, at the end of the day, of course, Jung is all about the capital self, the great archetype that brings everything all together. So we say that at the end of the day, he ends up supporting the single self assumption, because that's very, you know, it's sort of the same thing. But he went through different, uh, you know, pathways, and then he greatly influenced uh, Roberto Assagioli, who did psychosynthesis, yeah. and James Hillman. The early Hillman is an explicit advocate of healthy selves, the way just we're talking about it. And pretty much the early Assagioli is also, but then later on, his system is and now we're going to create one self to rule them all. But they got it. So you can sort of see the influence coming from Charcot, yeah. who, you know, again, yeah. taught James and Binet and Freud. And all these guys came to Charcot. And then Freud was in favor and then had this fight with Genet, changed his mind. Jung was sort of open to it and then kind of brought it internal. And that's uh, where we end up with it. I don't know that I answered your question. Well, yeah, you did. And one of the things I want to do is I want to go to a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about how this all comes together now. You know, whether it is talking about subpersonalities, whether we're talking about differences, whether it's talking about knowing oneself and understanding what, that there may be more sides to me than just one side to me. And it's, maybe, not a may, it's not a maybe, though. It's, it's, no, it's, I know. It's real. It's you know? real. And that's and, the funny and thing. And how many people right now go through life thinking they should be something other than the many selves they are? Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to bring it all around, right? Gotcha. Yep. You're not crazy. You're well, not crazy. Well, we'll be right back. <laughs> Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or visit Susan's website at SusanDolce.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? 
How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's Amazon Mary, Amazon Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Join the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Yeah, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Yep, that was, uh, of course, Diana Ross and uh, the Supremes at the time. I think they were still together. I hear a symphony because we're talking about your symphony of selves. Discover and understand more of who we are. Jordan, before we get back on it, um, again, remind people how they can find out about you, how they can get a copy of the book. Okay, easiest way is just go to jordangruber.com. And you'll find the book. It'll be right there. You can read an excerpt. You can download it. You can go to Amazon or Inner Traditions and buy it. You know, I, I'm both of us got a little bit excited there in the last go around. And here's why I'm excited, because I don't think I'm alone in this. I think there are people, millions and millions of people that have been told that they can't be this type and this type at the same time, that they can't be this, this part of themselves that loves to play ping pong and hit a ball 60 miles an hour and still do a positive talk radio show. Mm-hmm. Or you can't be the person maybe that when you're out in a group, you're kind of in a corner and you're just not really talking very much. You're kind of sitting there observing and, and, and for a living talk 14 hours a week. But we can. And I think what you're doing is you're helping people not just own this all aspects of themselves, but move away from a model that says, if you're not this one thing, there's something wrong with you. That's exactly right. We're back to Walt Whitman's, uh, do I contain multitudes? Do I contradict myself very well? I, you know, that's the way I'm actually built. And the problem is, is that the single self assumption which is backed up by Western philosophy and what's called essentialism, as well as monotheism with its idea of one God, one soul, one self. It's, you know, even though this idea has been worked on by lots of people, you never sort of see it's taken seriously or talked about because a single self assumption is so pervasive, so deeply embedded in that everywhere you go, that's what happens. Even in spiritual workshops, they'll try to tell you to get in contact with your one true self. But what if you can't find that one true self? What if it doesn't look right? So we just feel like we're giving permission for people to be 
all of who they are. And that starts very much with recognizing that. I mean, the book starts off with a set of questions. Have you ever had an argument with yourself? Who are you arguing with? Have you ever, you know, who is it who makes that decision to eat that last piece of ice cream or a cookie? You know, who's the one who drank too much and did something you regret? So the reality is these parts exist in us. And once somebody gets that their inner selves will have different agendas some of the time, but it all starts with seeing through the single self-assumption, you know, the, the camel nose in the tent and looking up and going, let me see if I might be able to shift into a more appropriate self. Let me see if I can make an agreement with myself ahead of time that the next time this happens, I'm going to, you know, work on creating this self. Or it's it's a it's so easy and it's so uh, invigorating, and people just feel that they've been set loose to be all of the different parts of who they are. Yeah, and and boy, I'll tell you, this is a pathway to freedom, Jordan, for a lot of people. Um, and you did such a you you all did such a great job in this in Thank laying you. it out, even dialogue about artificial intelligence. And I love that piece. And boy, I wish I, I wanted more of it because we're launching something called AI for the soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we came out with that, which was literally a download that I did get from my quantum partner and people from the the new thought community age new age community they're like wait a minute ai why are you doing and talking about ai and the soul and i i I rarely have good answers jordan when people ask me why and i've gotten this information that's not about why that's about what Mm -hmm. um but this book and the work that you're doing because the book is one aspect of it but this body of of work and and i could see why people are listening to the audio version of it because there's so much in here for people to latch on to and i i think that we have spent decades of feeling inadequate because we have different sides to ourselves Right. And it's finally time to sort of look at, I mean, what the book is, is a tour de force, right? It's psychology, philosophy, religion, language, culture, neuroscience, anatomy, postmodernism. And our point is, if we're right, that the single self-assumption is wrong, you would expect to see multiplicity everywhere in culture and science. And, and, and you do. It's just there for the taking. So all we really did was look at everything that's ever been written in English and bring it together in one place and say, look at all these people have thought and said, look at what Douglas Hostetter said, look at Daniel Kahneman who won a Nobel prize. They couldn't go too far either of them, but they, they kind of get it. So it's, it's a hard thing because when there's an idea that you've been told is absolutely wrong and crazy, I told my old philosophy professor who I'm still friends with on Facebook about this five or six years ago, he said, that's a ridiculous idea. It's terrible. And it's like, because Western philosophy says it's not that way except certain, uh, you know, people who objected and said other things. But, you know, Jim basically started a long time ago saying it was obvious to him that healthy multiplicity was everywhere and no one ever talked about it. Why is that? William James talked about it. He was aware of our social selves. Why, why do we pretend that this isn't real? Because it, honestly, it freaks people out to think that there's more than one person. And people think that if they have more than self, more than one self, it's a sign of mental pathology. But we're yeah. saying no. Everyone has selves. Yes, there are people who are sick, and that means that one or more of their selves has a problem and needs treatment. But the fact that they have more than one self and are aware of it, that is not what makes you mentally ill. Quite the opposite. And, you know, this is really a a time for a conversation for the time we live in. You said something earlier, you you know, where the book was written before Mm COVID-19, right? I mean, yes. People, people probably do know that, but I think it's worth saying. Um, are we learning something new here under the influence or impact of COVID-19? Are we well, learning I, something new? I, I think this is the opportunity, right? I mean, a lot of people have a lot more time and can't do what they've always done. So are you going to shrink back into a negative, depressed self and stay there? Or are you going to do what it takes out to switch selves or shift selves. I mean, the other day I was feeling sad. I didn't know it. And I mean, technically sad. 
we had orange smoke for days and I wasn't getting out much and I couldn't do anything. I just wanted to sleep. And I went outside and the sun broke through and I did some Wim Hof breath work and I felt the sadness lifting. I felt getting back into a more energized uh, constellation of cells that I knew could get stuff done. But I was aware that I sank into the part of me that from his perspective, it didn't want to do anything. It was unhappy. It was tired. It was sick. There was no sun. Like, forget about it. It was done. But we, we talked it. We, we worked with it. And so, you know, a lot of the book is metaphors and models for working with cells. Uh, the Navy SEALs have something called dynamic subordination. When they're going to room with their guns and they're going back to back, it's like you have to immediately give over the spotlight, the part of you that's in charge, to the one that knows the most and is seeing what's going on. And that's one way of doing it. And there's flocks of birds and orchestras and you know sports teams. There's lots and lots of people have considered this. But if you take that step back and really get that, yeah, I'm talking about you. You, like every other human being, has a variety of different selves. And lots of people have speculated about that, but let's start with that root knowledge that you have different cells, that they have innate value, you can't get rid of them. They have different agendas. What, are you gonna work with it? Because that's the way humans are really built. This is a perfect opportunity to explore that. Yeah, and you know, this too is a way to cultivate. So we didn't get to that part, but when we are really in that place of withholding parts of ourselves, we're not enabling those parts to be cultivated, to grow. I mean, I never thought, I stuttered when I was a teenager. I never thought in a million years that I would be doing this, right? You know, people back from my high school, when they, when they see or hear what I'm doing, they're just like, we don't believe that's you, right? Mm -hmm. But this is now a time for us to honor and cultivate all parts of ourselves. That's right. And, you know, if you have a spiritual self that you haven't been in contact, by all means, get in contact with it. You know, do do what works for you. Do I mean, it's a it's a pragmatic perspective under pragmatism. If you hold that an idea is true, that means it works for you and it makes your life better. All we're saying is that this is a very low cost, inexpensive way to make life make more sense and to have it work better. If you can focus on, you know, the fact that you and the people in your life. So, for example, if someone in your life forgets something you've told them, you can get mad at them or you can realize they're in a different part of who they are right now that didn't hear it. That that strikes us a little bit weird and I'm being facetious or snarky, but no, that's literally what's going on. And when you put something down, your keys, your flashlight, your, you know, your phone, and you can't find it, the part of you that put it down knew what it was doing, you have to get back to that part. You're not going to find the thing. And so, you know, you've heard of Occam's razor, the principle of parsimony, all that kind of stuff. We're saying that it may seem like it's more complicated because we're introducing another concept that we all have multiple selves, but it explains so much in so many contexts about ordinary life and it makes so much better. And it's, you know, it's what our observations say it to us is really the way things are. Well, look, I want to thank you. There's so much more. I mean, this is really uh, more than just enlightening. I mean, it is really a, uh, a blueprint and a guidebook for the times we're living in today because the pain and the stress from trying to be one thing in a world that has so many different dimensions to it is agonizing mm -hmm. it is such a level of stress for so many people that are trying to fit their lives in the should be's and thank you so much for oh, opening so a door well. for people mm -hmm. to really be themselves yeah, they can be all who they are and have a much better time than pretend they're only this one thing, which is not all of who they are. Hey, well, have a great bike ride and a beer for me. Thank I you. I will, Pat. Let's play ping pong someday. We'll see what, what I, uh, You're on. Benny, you all heard right. it here. You're on. Jordan Gruber, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. Fabulous book, Your Symphony of Cells, Discover and Understand More of Who You Are. And I also think that this book is fantastic for those of you out there that are working with maybe your teenagers, maybe your children, and you're having to see different sides of them. This book is going to help you truly understand that part of who they are and that part of who you are. Right. Thank you, Jordan. Thank, Thank you, Pat. Sir. It was great. Uh, I let's appreciate take a it so break. much. Man, this was great. Um, there's so much more in the book I didn't even get to. Let's take a short break, Benny. That will be right back.